Was it something I did? <laughs> Welcome to, For, uh, to First Baptist Church of Blairsville, Georgia. And if you are new, I'm Ricky Powell. I'm honored to be the senior pastor here, and it's my second week. So you're not the only one who's new. Welcome. We are so glad you're here. We'd love to connect with you in any way that we can. At the end of our service, I'll make my way to our foyer. And if you're new, I would love to put a name with a face and just personally thank you for being here. And to the rest of you, thank you so much for the great welcome and what an awesome morning it has been already. Amen? It has just been tremendous. And uh, thank you all for being here. And we're in the second week of a series on the parables of Jesus, these life-changing stories that he told. And today we're going to go to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13, and I want to talk to you about the parable of the sower. You know, sometimes we wonder, why is it that certain people respond to the preaching of the gospel or someone witnessing to them about Jesus in different ways? With different people, you often get vastly different responses. I know in my church that I served in Valdosta, Georgia, Gateway Baptist Church many years ago, uh, I had preached a message out of the Gospel of John chapter 14 where Jesus says in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I preached a gospel message that Jesus is the only way to be forgiven of our sin, to be right with the holy God, to know that heaven is our home because he alone is the son of God who lived a perfect life and exchanged that life on the cross of Calvary for our sin. If we'll turn from our sin, believe in him, he promises eternal life. I thought that was a good sermon. And so at the end of the service, I'm standing at the back door shaking hands, and a woman I'd never met before came out, and I put my hand out to shake her hand, and she just crossed her arms, and she said, you are nothing more than a fascist hiding behind a Bible. I will never shake your hand. I will never be back. And out the door she went. That's one way to respond to a pastor preaching the gospel. And that was a shocking way to respond there was also another man in our church. His name was G.W. Blanton. He was an older man. His wife was a Christian, but G.W. would tell you he was not a Christian. He only came to church to be with his wife, and he would typically sleep through the service. And after the service, I was shaking hands one day, and he came out the door, and he said, Preacher, I've slept through a lot of good preachers, but you're my favorite. <laughs> so I didn't know how to take that, but I appreciated the compliment. One Sunday, I preached that same passage of Scripture, John 14, verse 6, and G.W. was in the room, and something happened in that service. When I gave the invitation, that if you need Jesus, I want you to come. Let us help you put your confidence in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He stepped out of that aisle. His wife burst into tears. He made his way to me, and he said with tears running down his cheeks, Preacher, for the first time, I get it. I cannot save myself. I am not good enough. I need Jesus. Changed his life. Later, I would do his funeral, and his children stood up and said, our daddy was never the same when he met Jesus Christ. Of course, there have been many times I've preached sermons, and people would respond to messages, and you think this person has made a genuine commitment, only to see later that they would fall away, or they would even renounce their faith in Christ. You've seen that as well in Christian musicians or pastors who will later renounce their faith in Jesus Christ. Why is it that there is such a vast difference in response to the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus gives us the answer in this parable, the parable of the sower. Here in Matthew 13, he lets us know that how we respond to the word of God reveals the condition of our heart. 
And so he gives this parable to help illustrate to his disciples the differences they see in the responses from the people. Now, if you're wondering what a parable is, a parable literally means to cast or throw alongside of something. So you take one thing and you throw it alongside of something else and you contrast it or you compare it in order to illustrate a spiritual truth. And that's what Jesus does. One of his favorite teaching methods was through parables, taking one thing and teaching a lesson. Sometimes people got it, other times they didn't. The parable of the sower is found in Matthew 13. Why don't you read silently from your copy of God's word as I read out loud from mine, Matthew 13, verse 1. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. That was the Sea of Galilee. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. Now imagine you were there that day. You had heard Jesus was coming to town. You had heard about the awesome miracles that he had performed, and you had heard about the messages that he had preached with authority like no one had ever heard. And you said, I got to hear this guy for myself. So you make your way out to the Sea of Galilee, and there are a lot of other people who had the same idea you did. There is such a great crowd. Jesus has to get in a boat, push off from shore so that he could sit in that boat and let his voice be carried across the water up to the crowds on the shore. And there he began to teach. And you're waiting for this deep theological treatise on heaven or hell or evil or righteousness. And instead, what you hear that day from Jesus is a story about farming. He says, hey, a sower goes out. He's broadcasting his seed, scattering it everywhere he goes. Some of it falls on that footpath that has been trodden down, hardened, and it just lays on the top. Birds come and devour it. Some of the other seed falls into uh, rocky soil. There's a thin layer of soil, but underneath are rocks and bedrock, and there's really no way for that seed to root and to grow. So when the sun rises, beats down on that new shoot, withers away. Some of the other seed he scatters falls into the thorns. The thorns grow up, and they choke out that new life. They suck up the water, the nutrients. That new growth just doesn't stand a chance. And then some falls on good soil, and there is a bumper crop. Whoever has ears, let him hear. See ya. And you're sitting there going, uh, that's the sermon? That, I don't remember hearing a Bible verse anywhere in there. That didn't seem very deep. I hate to call you Captain Obvious, but Jesus, we all know how farming works. What in the world? But you know, there must be something you missed because you heard him throw in that last phrase. He who has ears, let him hear. And you're going, pretty much everybody. <laughs> has ears in this crowd. So what in the world does he mean? It does you 
a little comfort to realize you're not the only one stumped, pun intended, uh, with this sermon on farming, because even the disciples of Jesus can't figure this thing out. As the crowds disperse, the disciples approach Jesus, why do you teach in parables? If you've got something to say, just say it. And Jesus said to them, I'll tell you why I teach in parables. For you who believe in me, for you who trusted me and you follow me, have been given the secrets of the kingdom of God. There are things about the kingdom of God you understand that the smartest people in the world just don't get. But for those who refuse to truly trust me, believe in me, put their confidence in me as Messiah, they see things, but they don't see things. They hear what I'm saying, but they don't really hear what I'm saying. And the prophet Isaiah told us this would happen, Isaiah chapter 6. And so Jesus says, the reason I speak in parables is because if people don't want to believe in me, they don't have to. I'm not going to force them. I'm just going to teach. But the people who truly want to know more, they have ears. They want to hear. They will dig in. They will get it. So he then describes to them the meaning of his parable. If you're still in Matthew 13, jump down to verse 18. He says to his disciples, hear then the parable of the sower. Verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Now Jesus, in his audience, and certainly his disciples, knew this was a common visual as they walked Galilee. They could see farmland, and they could see paths that the farmers and others, the oxen or what have you, had trod over and over and over. And those paths had been worn down, beaten down, hardened. And Jesus says, I'll tell you this parable. That seed, it's the word of God. And just like real seed falls on the hardened path and birds swoop in and take it away, when the word of God falls on a hard heart, the devil comes in and snatches it away, lest that person believe. Their hearts are hard, they don't want to believe, and the devil snatches away what I just said. And in Jesus' day, the religious leaders were those people with hard hearts. The Pharisees, the scribes, as soon as Jesus said something, they contradicted him. They wanted to find a loophole. They wanted to trick him. They wanted to turn the crowds against him. They weren't really interested in submitting themselves to Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. And he says, that's why they don't respond to the preaching of the word. It's not the problem with the seed. The problem is with the soil, the heart of the person. You probably know people like that in your life. People, as soon as something is said spiritually related, they say, I don't want to hear all that. Don't bring that Jesus stuff to me. I don't want to hear that Bible. And they shut you down immediately. It's not that what you're sharing is wrong. It's their hearts are hardened. My granny used to live in Lowndes County, and I would go to her house, and she lived in the middle of uh, a pine tree forest owned by Langdale Forestry. And we would walk through that pine forest that would be used for uh, getting the rosin out of those pine trees. And sometimes they would clear the underbrush with burning it out. And you would come upon a stump that you could tell had been there for years. It had seen many flames in its day. Many fires had passed over that stump. Now it is a blackened, hardened lump in the forest. And when the new fire comes, 
barely even creates a flicker in it because it is so hardened now. There could be people in this room this morning whose heart has heard the gospel so many times and you've rejected it and said no to it and you've ridiculed it and you've laughed at it and you've said it's myth and fable and legend that your heart has grown hard. And my prayer this morning is that the Holy Spirit of God will break up the hardened soil of your heart so that the seed of the gospel can break through. You may laugh at it and dismiss it, but you will stand before God one day and hear this was the most important message you ever heard, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will break open your heart. And if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you'll believe in the gospel, put your faith in Christ, and be saved. So the second type of soil represents the shallow heart. The first type represents the hardened heart. The second type of soil Jesus mentioned represents the shallow heart. Here's how Jesus puts it. Matthew 13, verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So Jesus says the second type of soil represents that shallow heart that hears the gospel, responds immediately, is excited, filled with joy, but as soon as living for Jesus is harder than they thought it was gonna be, they turn away, they give up, and they quit. As soon as they realize Jesus wants to be Lord of all of their life, and there are parts of their life that they want to keep for themselves, Jesus don't get into my politics. Jesus stay out of my sex life. Jesus don't get into how I handle finances at the company. Jesus don't, don't intrude on my morality. As soon as he starts confronting them with the word, they then say, I'm done, I'm out. It's too hard to live for this Jesus, and I don't want any part of it. We've all seen people like that. In fact, Jesus had people like that in his earthly ministry. You remember in the Gospel of John chapter 6, we're told that crowds of people are following Jesus, but Jesus knew in his heart they were not followers. They were really hangers-on. We would call them today fans. They were groupies. They were in it for the next time he turned stone to bread. They were in it for the next time he fed thousands of people. They were in it for the next time he healed somebody. They were in it for the next time he confronted the religious authorities but they weren't really following Jesus because they needed to repent of their sin and be forgiven and needed the Savior of their lives. And Jesus preaches one hard sermon, and the Bible says the majority of them quit following him that day. And in John chapter 6, verse 66, they walk away, and Jesus says to his disciples, will you two leave me? And they said, where will we go? You alone have the words of life. We all know people like that. As soon as Christianity doesn't give them that chill and spill and thrill up their spine, they're out. As soon as Jesus didn't answer my prayer for a new truck, they're out. In fact, one thing as your pastor you will never hear me say as I'm preaching is this. Give your heart to Jesus and you'll never have another problem. Give your heart to Jesus, your wife will be Miss America, your son will be all-star, you'll have all the money in the bank, send $25 to Ricky Powell Ministries, I'll give you a prayer cloth guaranteed to keep demons off your dishes, you'll have your best life now. You'll never hear me say that, because that's not what Jesus said. 
Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Keep your faith in me, keep your confidence in me, even when people laugh at you, even when you get sick, even when you don't know how you're gonna pay your bills, even when the persecution comes because of living for me, I've overcome this world, trust me and obey my word. Thank you, Taylor. I know I can get a good amen. The third type of soul represents the strangled heart. The strangled heart. The heart that is receiving the word of God, but then it gets strangled, it gets choked out by the things of the world. Jesus puts it this way, Matthew 13, verse 22. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Jesus says this strangled heart is that picture of seed falling into the thorn bushes and the thistles and the weeds and they get choked out. They don't stand a chance. And he says, you know what's gonna choke out the word of God in your life from you being fruitful and having a real relationship with me? The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. The busyness of this life where you put Jesus on a back burner, you put him on the shelf until you think you need him, but until then, he stays in his place. The busyness of life or the deceitfulness of riches because riches in this world lie to you. They tell you they can bring you happiness and satisfaction and peace and fulfill all your longings and yet you get that thing you wanted and then you have to take it in for warranty repair. You get that relationship that you always wanted. And then you find out he snores in his sleep. Don't say amen, Donna. (laughs) You get that thing and you realize it doesn't bring lasting satisfaction. But so many people do not come to faith in Jesus Christ because they're too busy or they think they don't need him because they've got the things of this world. Judas was a picture of that, wasn't he? that disciple of Jesus who betrayed Jesus, walked away from Jesus because Jesus didn't live up to his expectations. And Judas sold Jesus out for just a few pieces of silver. And there are sadly many people in our world who forget the busyness and barrenness of life and the deceitfulness of riches can damn a person to hell. The rich young ruler came to Jesus. I'm keeping the law. I do all these things. What more do I need to do? And Jesus pinpointed the problem that the idol of his heart, the real God of his heart was his money. And Jesus says, okay, big boy, sell everything you got, follow me. And the Bible says that rich young ruler went home sad because he had a lot of stuff. It was the missionary Jim Elliott who said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Dear friend, salvation through faith in Jesus Christ is something money cannot buy and death can't take away. These three types of soil do not represent Christians who lost their salvation. These three types of soil represent people who were superficial but were never truly changed by the word of God. And that's why Jesus gives us this fourth type of soil and that represents the open heart. The heart that is receptive to the word. The heart that welcomes the seed of God's word to be germinated and fruitful in their life. Matthew 13, verse 23, Jesus said, As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. 
He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and another 30. Jesus is saying it's a bumper crop when a person will place their faith in me, hear my word and understand it. And to understand the word of Jesus means you understand he is God in flesh, he's your savior, you need him in your life, and you welcome him into your life to change you from the inside out. To hear and understand his word means you understand the gospel for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, that's Jesus, would not perish in their sin but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's what it means to hear and to understand and to say, that's me, Lord, I need you in my life. Now, Jesus says, now you can understand spiritual fruitfulness that no one can explain. And what kind of fruitfulness are we talking about? Well, later the Apostle Paul would describe the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and following, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in our lives as we hear the words of Jesus and understand them and respond in faith. It is not that we are perfect people. And when I think of this open-heartedness, I think of the disciples of Jesus that were left after Judas. Were they perfect people? No. Think about Peter. Peter, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. If all these other guys fall away, I will never desert you, Jesus. I will even die for you. And Jesus says, before it's said and done, you will deny me three times Peter, no, never, and yet he did it. He denied, he even knew Jesus. But can I tell you something else about Peter? Even though he failed miserably, and I can relate to Peter because how many times have I preached one thing and practiced another? I can tell you this about Peter. His heart was open to the word of God. His heart was softened to the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. And even after he had grievously sinned, he was brought to his knees in repentance and remorse. And Jesus restored him. And Jesus said, I love you and I've got a plan for you to be used in my kingdom. Why? Because his heart was open to the word of God. All the other disciples fled and hid from Jesus when he was arrested and taken to the cross. But Jesus appeared to them after his resurrection, and he changed their lives. Why? Because they weren't perfect, but their hearts were open. And none of you are perfect. I'm not perfect, but my prayer this morning is, oh God, give us open hearts to receive the seed of your word so that you can work in a mighty way in all of our lives. And you know something about Jesus' story? He doesn't tell us anything about this sower. Tell me more about him, Jesus. Was he tall? Did he have a head full of hair like Derek? I'm so jealous. I have repented of jealousy more times than Derek knows. Was he a Baptist? Was he Methodist? Tell us more about this sower, Jesus. And you notice something? Jesus just bypasses that sower. I think in, this, in the parable, it certainly represents Jesus. He's casting the word of God, and how people respond to him reveals the condition of their heart. But we too are sowers if we follow Jesus and you know why Jesus doesn't spend any time telling us about that sower? Because the power is not in the sower. 
The power is in the seed of the gospel. The Bible says one person plants that seed, another person waters that seed, but it is God who gives the increase. In First Baptist Church of Blairsville, I want us to go and to scatter the gospel of Jesus Christ far and wide, leaving the results to him. I want everybody in this county to hear of Jesus Christ. Nobody should be able to go to hell from Union County without having met Jesus Christ and had to respond to his word. So as you go, you're not what's important. I'm not what's important. It's the power of the gospel that changes people's lives. Let's go and share that gospel. But also, how do you respond to it? You see, your response to the word of God reveals the condition of your heart. And I'm gonna pray that we have open hearts. Here's your homework. I give homework at sermons. Did you know that? I didn't tell you that before you voted. You might not have called me. I kept that, I kept that quiet. Um, but what I mean by that is the gospel's not given just for our information, it's given for our transformation. What are we gonna do with what we've heard today? So in a quiet time, today or this week, I want you to do this. I want you to ask God to show you places in your heart and mind where he needs to break up the soil, soften and prepare you to receive and respond to his word. Musicians, why don't you come and let's have this hymn of invitation, this, this time where we commit ourselves to God in faith and obedience. Maybe you need to be saved. You come today. We'll have ministers here ready to help you take your next step in commitment to Christ. They're not gonna embarrass you, make you say anything to the church. You come and say, today I need Jesus. Maybe you need to join our church. Maybe you need to pray at the altar. Whatever you need to do, let's be found faithful and obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we give you this time. Work in our hearts. Break up the fallow ground of our hearts. Let your word be welcome in our lives. And Father, we'll give you the praise for the difference you make in our lives and the fruitfulness that you make possible through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together. You come. Jesus, my Redeemer, there is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hope, my hope is only
stand for our closing prayer and benediction. Thank you so much for being in God's house this morning. Think of someone you can invite to join us next week. Don't forget to be there tonight at the football field for our time of prayer. We want to saturate our community and especially our public schools, private schools, homeschoolers with uh, God's blessing. And So join us in prayer. If you're able to, if you're not able to, five o'clock, pray wherever you are, okay? So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for what we have experienced. All praise and glory to you 
Thank you for this great congregation and the difference it's making by your grace and for your glory in this community and around the world. So take what we've heard today and what we've learned, draw us closer to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you.